0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Welcome back to the Swamp 24 7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp, joined here today by Blake Alderman. Blake, I want to do things a little bit differently today. You know, at the end of the last episode, we had a lot of interest in the five-star mailbag, and I think we're sensing a a pretty clear theme from the the couple questions that we got um, from Monday's episode in the five-star mailbag. So let's go ahead and dive right into it. The consistent theme right now is defense. Florida obviously has struggled a little bit defensively. Some of the issues I think are very consistent. You know, failure to get lined up properly, quickly against up-tempo teams busted coverages in the secondary, some missed tackles that I thought Florida had kind of cleaned up in previous games. Those maybe showed up a little bit more against Vanderbilt. And then really just the the lack of consistently being disruptive, I think. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, get to the first, the first five-star mailbag question from Home of the Brave. Watching the Vanderbilt game essentially was extremely stressful. It seemed like they marched right down the field with tempo on their first drive. Uh, his suggestion is that This defense is basically what we were seeing last year without Jonathan Grenard and Jabari Zaniga. I guess generally Blake what can the defense do to improve at this point
2: you know I I think it's just as simple as trying some guys out in the secondary I think uh, you know maybe switching some things up I feel at this point a lot of those veteran guys you know heading into the season it makes sense with just the COVID year and, and you having the shorting practices, it's obviously not good for a defense because, you know, I've said before, defense, the only way you can practice those things, man, is to really go full go and really get those those reps. Mental reps really don't seem to work so much for a defense. You know, I think at this point, we've seen what those veteran guys can do for Florida in the secondary. I think maybe trying in some new personnel, maybe even some new linebackers, some guys that are a little bit more athletic. You know, I know Tyron Hopper is a guy that we've been pretty high on and talked about, you know, his performance in the Vanderbilt game. I think it's as simple as trying some new guys out. I think that uh, at this point, you, you just seem to know what you can expect from, from the guys, you know, those veteran guys, you know, the Marco Wilsons, the Sean Davises, the Donovan Steiners, you know, a, a big chunk of those guys. I feel like at this point, we know their limitations. And I think at this point where you've in the season and you've got some of these, you know, opponents that Florida's going to be favored in a lot of those games, I think it's just as simple as trying some new things out. And I think that that's something that Dan Mullen really seemed into, you know, going into some valuations following the Vanderbilt game. So I think it could be just as simple as that. And I, I'm interested to see if they try some things out in the Kentucky game. And if they do, I'm interested to see the outcome.
1: Let me ask you a question. We talked about following that Arkansas game, you know, against Felipe Franks coming off the Georgia game. We thought these last four games including Vanderbilt would be pretty easy for Florida. We didn't expect really Florida to have much trouble with any of these teams, be it Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Tennessee, or LSU. Do you think Florida's playing vanilla defensively right now? You know, kind of building up for Alabama.
2: You know they could and I and I've kind of thought that for most of the season whenever you see just todd grantham's defense it's it's a lot of chaos it's a lot of blitzing it's a lot of attacking the quarterback and you know just really attacking that line of scrimmage and i for the most part sure there's been some mixes of things where he's done things more traditionally i don't know if it's just the fact that he doesn't quite trust the secondary or maybe some of the linebackers in coverage, but I thought overall, just you haven't seen that attacking style of what you would expect from a Todd Grantham defense for the most part this year. And I, again, it could be young players, different guys in key parts, you know, it could be a lot of things, but I think for the most part, yeah, I, I think things have been kind of vanilla maybe even here so lately.
1: And I think, you know, that's uh, one of our second five-star mailbag questions is from Robert in Orlando. And he asked, are there any major defensive changes the next two weeks in prep for Alabama? And that kind of gets to what I'm saying. I think, If you're Florida and you know kind of what you have defensively at this point, you know, I I think it's pretty clear talking to Danville and talking to Todd Grantham, they know that there's probably only so much they can do to fix this defense. And to your point, I do think personnel wise, getting some of these younger players in, in games where, you know, you're probably the the outcome's probably not really going to be in doubt in the next couple of weeks. You know, maybe the trip to Tennessee is a little tricky, you know, because of weather or whatnot, what have you. But again, I just don't see any of these games really putting Florida to the test to the point where you are able to, at least from a personnel standpoint, start to develop more guys. But I don't think you're going to see Florida throw out a lot of stuff defensively that's new at this point. I just don't see any value in that ahead of this Alabama game. There's no reason to give Alabama chances to game plan, different looks that you're going to bring, you know, whether it's pressure packages and that kind of thing. And back to home of the Braves point, you know, what we're seeing this year right now so far is basically – The defense last year when John Grenard and Jabari Zaniga were out, you know, you're you're having trouble getting off the field at times on third down. And a lot of that comes down to not having an elite pass rush. And I think one of the reasons I'm a little bit optimistic about this defense, and we talked about it on the last episode of the podcast, I do think that Florida's gotten better up front defensively. Like if there's one area that they've clearly improved from the first three games, it's that defensive front has been significantly better. You know, you get Kyrie Campbell back. Now you've got guys playing a little bit more in position. You're seeing Zach Carter start to have an impact. You know, there were a handful of plays against Vanderbilt where you don't necessarily get a sack, but Zach Carter forced an early throw, forced an incompletion. And listening to Todd Grantham last night, listening to Dan Mullen talk about some of these defensive issues, I I keep going back and forth, man. I feel like a ping-pong ball because on Saturdays I feel like, man, the defense has given up the same type of plays, the same explosives. It's the same issue, and you feel like it's not cleaned up. And then when you go back and rewatch the game, it's really not a whole lot of times that you're seeing that. And Todd Grantham kind of broke it down for us last night. They had nine plays that gave up about 212 yards in that Vanderbilt game. And then the other 65, 67 plays, something like that, they only gave up, uh, I want to say it was basically a similar amount, you know? So basically I think our perception of the defense is being colored by the fact that one, the issues are very recurring. You know, it's the same type of issues each week. But I do think there's a case to be made that Florida, at least from the beginning of the year to now is having fewer of those busts. They're just very noticeable when you see them. And, you know, Dan Mullen made the point that, you know, talking about up-tempo offenses, why does Florida struggle so much against up-tempo offense? Well, one, that's tough to defend for anybody. I mean, that's the reason that so many offenses have gone to up-tempo, but he said, you know, what you don't see all the time or what fans don't sometimes process as well is, you know, you're, you're always biased towards the negative stuff. You know, the the, the play that you give up for a 58 yard touchdown stands out way more than the three throws where they, you know, the offense rushed things, the defense did get set. And all of a sudden now the offense is scrambling and maybe throw has to throw it away because they don't have anything available. And I think you can make a legitimate case there. Again, I, I go back to, you know, Florida only gave up 17 points, you know, after you take away that opening drive where Vanderbilt's thrown out a new look at them and, it doesn't look that bad. Now, I know that's not how it works. You can't just toss stats aside and fans will make that argument, you know, against what Todd Grantham's saying. But I do think when you look at how Florida's constructed, it's hard to argue against Dan Mullen and Todd Grantham and what they're doing. I mean, they're winning games. And again, it goes back to the point, is this sustainable against Alabama? I don't know, but I do find myself yo-yoing a lot. And I don't like it when I do that, you know, back and forth, like between defending Grantham and, and what they're doing and And being like, dude, it's game seven. They still have these communication issues. I I, like there's no doubt in my mind that there's things to clean up. But from a scheme standpoint, you know, asking about if there's going to be any major defensive changes, I really don't think so. I think it's just a matter of continuing to work on the things that we've seen Florida need work on.
2: You know, and you bring a lot of good points, you know, talking to Todd Grantham, I think that hearing his side and kind of what's in his head, I think brings a little bit more clarity to the conversation for sure.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, in terms of ways that Florida gets better, I I think first, first and foremost, and and I guess we can kind of go to what he said. I think there were four areas and the first one that he brought up, will will have fans that are not in his corner up at arms about how, you know, Grantham isn't fixing things. He's not admitting there's a problem. But the first thing he said was player accountability and the players have to be accountable. They have to do their jobs and they can't get caught out. And if you have one guy getting caught out of position, that's when you have the potential to give up these explosive plays and, You know, that's a very coach-speak type answer. But if you do go back and re-watch these games, you will see a lot of times it's one guy that doesn't stay in his gap, one guy that's not on the same page in the coverage. Um, You know, at this point, how do they fix that? I don't know. And I think think your answer is try some of this younger personnel. And I, I don't disagree with you at all. I think, you know, some of these young guys, you know, maybe they're not on the same page from a communication standpoint all the way, but you've got young guys that are playing hard and maybe have more upside than some of the veterans that we've seen. And if, again, to to the point we made on the last podcast, if the veterans aren't getting it done, why are they still in there? Try try new guys, at least for some of these games, you know, where you're not necessarily going to be tested. Find out what you have before Alabama. Um, But, again, I go back to I do think the defense the next couple weeks is going to be vanilla to the point that, you know, if Florida has what what I would say is like a ho-hum game against Vanderbilt or they have two or three drives against Kentucky, two or three drives against Tennessee, LSU – where they give up these same kind of scores, you know, a big play here, a big play there, a drive where, you know, the opponent just marches down the field like Vanderbilt's first drive. I just don't know that that's reason to panic because I do think that we've seen from Todd Grantham in big games, go back to Mississippi State in 2018, uh, go to the Auburn game, you know, last year. There are games where they break out different pressure packages that teams haven't seen. And I think when you have an offense that's as successful and as explosive as Florida's, All you need in this Alabama game to give yourself a chance is a couple key takeaways, you know, stop them a couple more times than maybe the defense is doing right now, and you've got a shot. But Todd Grantham made the point, Vanderbilt's last eight drives, Florida only gave up seven points. I mean, one touchdown in eight drives. That's pretty good defense. However you slice it in terms of giving up third downs here and there, that's good defense. That's a good metric. And I know Vanderbilt's not the best team out there. But you look at it, and Florida is playing to win games. I mean, they're doing a pretty good job. I think, you know, again, I go back to that Alabama game. I I think that's a toss-up game. You know, fans would like it to be less of a toss-up game where you go in there maybe as a favorite expecting to win. But look, this is still a rebuilding process. And, you know, in year three, not a lot of coaches have a ton of success in year three just because of the way the roster turns over. I, I just think Florida's in pretty good shape. You just need to see them continue building. I don't think to the, to the point of the five-star mailbag that we are going to see significant changes. I think it's a little too too late in the year for that. But you keep developing these guys. You keep guys fresh. Maybe work that rotation with the young guys a little bit more earlier in games like Dan Mullen said he'd like to do. And I think you're going to have a chance in that SEC championship game.
2: No doubt. And I think you bring a lot of good points there for sure.
1: All right, Blake, let's uh, let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll probably have a little bit of a shorter episode This week, just with the Thanksgiving break, you know, I don't know how many people are going to be listening. That's one of the reasons we're shooting on Wednesday. We want to give anybody that's driving, you know, any travel or whatever for Thanksgiving a chance to listen before you get to your, you know, whatever you're doing. Hopefully, you know, hopefully you guys can enjoy whether it's virtual with the family or you're actually with your family. Blake, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back on the other side talking a little bit Florida, Kentucky.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,
3: Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today.
1: Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Golcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, let's get into it. Florida, Kentucky, um, I don't know exactly what the spread is. It's like 21 and a half, somewhere along 23 and a
2: half right now. I think it opened at 21 and a half, and now it's, it's a little up to 23 and a half.
1: So, once again, Florida, a big favorite. Blake, this was a game that earlier in the year I had kind of penciled in as one that Florida needed to keep an eye on. And when we talk about the defensive issues, one of the reasons I'm less concerned about this game than I was back then is I do think Florida's run defense has improved considerably. You look at Kentucky, obviously they're a very strong running team. That's kind of their bread and butter right now, particularly with a dual threat quarterback in Terry Wilson. I guess, is there any area of Kentucky that concerns you heading into this matchup?
2: You know, I think that as much as I do think that Florida's defensive line has really upped their play in the last couple weeks, bringing a guy like Kyrie Campbell back, has really done wonders getting guys in position. But Kentucky does have a pretty strong offensive line. They have a lot of guys that are, you know, they have a veteran guy there. Um, For the most part, the unit does seem pretty solid. Will that open up more? you know, holes, do Florida's linebackers get clogged in there like we've seen them do in the past sometimes. Ventro Miller last year, the Kentucky game really jumps out to where he got kind of caught up in some of those, you know, clogged holes and whatnot and brought himself out of a play. I think if there's one area, I think that that might be the one for me. Um, just because – as much as I'm interested to see that an improved Florida defensive line, where Kentucky or not Kentucky, South Carolina early in the season had some success running the ball, I'm interested to see with some guys in better position, a guy like Kyrie Campbell back, a team that really does you know have strength in running the ball um, in Kentucky. I'm interested to see if, if their offensive line is an X factor there.
1: Yeah, and I think when you look at you know Dan Mullins talked about it a lot this year, how every game plays out differently. Kentucky on paper is kind of, you know, obviously you'd like them to be a little bit more explosive in the passing game if you're Mark Stoops. But on paper, if you were designing a game plan against Florida's offense, you want to eat the clock. And Kentucky is built to do that. You know, they average 4.7 yards of carry. of have rushed for almost 1,500 yards this year. Um, Terry Wilson, we were talking about it before the podcast. Not really a huge threat throwing the ball. You know, has about half the passing attempts that Kyle Trask has. But Kentucky going in here, you know, that's what they're going to do. We've seen the last two years... Kentucky's had a pretty good game plan against Florida. You know, if I'm looking at it, I think my concern going into this one is actually on the other side of the ball. I don't worry quite as much about Florida's defense. I, I think they've done a pretty good job keeping things in front of them. I think in the red zone, you know, assuming they don't have big busts, they've been pretty good. And I think as long as Florida's offense comes out and executes crisply, probably didn't really do that so well against Vanderbilt. I mean, I know they scored 38, but I think a lot it's of fans a slow start. would agree. It was a slow start. It was a little bit of a sloppy performance here and there. Even Kyle Trask had some throws that, you know, just not their usual crispness. I think Mark Stoops is going to have a good game plan defensively. Kentucky really challenges you to win one-on-one matchups outside. They like to play very physical in the secondary. And I, I think, you know, this is a game that has turned into a pretty decent contest both of the last two years. I want to see what Mark Stoops has drawn up for Florida. And I want to see if Florida can kind of get over the hump of not allowing Kentucky to kind of dictate the pace of this game.
2: You know, and another thing too, I thought up as you were talking, you know, Florida's defense has struggled somewhat with some of those Russian quarterbacks guys that can do some, you know, some things with their legs. Terry Wilson is a guy that, I mean, that's his bread and butter too. Yeah. The passing game quite isn't there for them, but, when you focus so much on, you know, stopping a running attack that Kentucky does show, it does tend sometimes to open up, you know, the quarterback to do some things with his legs. So, as we've seen, Terry Wilson has had some success running the ball against Florida. Those are, I think, that's another key thing that Florida needs to pay attention to as well.
1: For sure, and you mentioned Ventrell Miller maybe struggled a little bit in this game last year. He's obviously banged up a little bit, you know, had had the shoulder injury that he kind of had to get worked on twice during the Vanderbilt game. He met with us this week in the media, you know, on the Zoom conference call kind of deal. So I'm assuming he's good to go, but, you know, James Houston's been a little banged up. They're hoping to get him back, but, you know, you don't know. Florida's a little banged up at at linebacker. This could be the game where you end up seeing a little bit more Tyron Hopper just out of necessity. And uh, talking about Tyron Hopper, you know, I I do think Florida wants to get him more involved, you know, listening to Todd Grantham and kind of reading between the lines they really like what he brings to the table coming downhill and attacking. And this is the kind of game where you find out, is that guy ready to take the next step? Because when you have a Kentucky quarterback, that's a dual threat prospect, a dual threat guy. And then you've got a strong running game with Asim Rose and Chris Rodriguez. What it does is it really forces your linebackers to play very disciplined. And it's one thing to come downhill and hit guys and, you know, Todd Grantham joked that, you know, Tyron Hopper got lucky in the, the several plays that he was in where they ended up having a green dog blitz. And that really fits his skill set well and kind of makes him stand out. But I think the reason we haven't seen him more, reading between the lines is, is probably that discipline, you know, that gap discipline that a guy like Ventrell Miller, more often than not, he's going to stick his gap. He's going to come downhill in the right hole. That's what I want to see out of Tyron Hopper in this game. That's what I want to see out of really all the linebackers. I thought, you know, we talked about it last episode. Josiah Pierre, I thought, did a really good job against the run, and, and he kind of surprised me a little bit, I thought. So this will be a really good game to kind of test that, you know, test whether Florida can avoid giving those big creases. I think you'll, you know, you'll see Florida try to – fans will, might get frustrated, but I think this is a game where you're going to see a decent bit of zone in the secondary. So Kentucky is probably going to complete some passes here and there. I think the big, the big key to this game is going to be red zone defense. You know, Kentucky's going to have some drives where they drive down, put together an extended drive the key is can you keep them to field goals and you keep them out of the end zone and as long as they do that and Florida's offense comes out crisply you know I think we both agree this is probably a relatively easy win for Florida
2: you would think so i mean th- these games have been a lot closer here in recent years and you can tell that you know stoops his team comes in inspired to play against florida just because You know, Florida is one of the big dogs in the SEC East. Kentucky really hasn't been known for that. And obviously, Stoops has done a good job continuing to build up that program. So, you know, they're going to come in fired up for this game because they seem here lately. And at least in the last maybe three, four years, that this is a game that Kentucky has always been very hyped up to play in. All
1: right, Blake, let's shift gears a little bit because the first college football playoff rankings came out last night. I wanted to get your feedback on that. Florida, I I think for most people, probably checked in right where we expected them. They're at number six, one spot behind Texas A&M. And I guess, first off, is that fair for you to be behind Texas A&M or do you kind of look at it as overall body of work? Texas A&M lost to Alabama by four touchdowns. You know, Florida was much more competitive against A&M. Where do you see Florida? Is that spot fair for them right now?
2: I think six is fair. I think when you look at A&M winning the head to head over Florida, I think when you realize that Texas A&M's one loss is to Alabama, who is sitting at number one, I think it makes a lot of sense for me just from the head to head, um, But both teams obviously have to continue to win. They have to continue to play things out. Florida's main focus at this point anyways is continuing to focus on Alabama, continuing to win their games, get in that SEC championship game. And I think that if Florida can play things out, I think things are very much more in their favor than, say, A&M, who isn't quite in that SEC uh, championship game conversation with Bama taking that nod there.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think I don't see any way that a a one-loss Florida team, you know, tough loss on the road – point game, By three points, right? Could have easily won if they win the SEC championship game. I don't see any way Florida gets left out. Now it does raise some interesting questions. You know, say Florida beats Alabama in the SEC championship game, all of a sudden you've got three one-loss SEC teams. You know, does Alabama get the nod? I would assume so, since they beat a And M pretty soundly. But you'll have some interesting arguments if Texas a And M keeps up what it's doing. And uh I don't know, man. It's it's just fun to be talking playoffs again you know, it's weird when you look at the rankings, you know, Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio state, you know, you've got Notre Dame playing twice as many games so far as Ohio state. So it's all going to be really fascinating for the college football playoff committee. And, you know, we're still seeing games canceled. I know yesterday, you know, Wisconsin lost its game and all of a sudden they're not eligible for big 10 title contention, even though they're trailing Northwestern, there's just, there's still so many moving pieces. It felt like last night to finally actually get some rankings to be talking about playoffs, to be talking This debate, you know, I I thought the committee did a pretty good job in the top six. I don't really have any arguments there. You know, Clemson, Notre Dame being 2-3, or 3-2, I guess. Clemson's number three behind Notre Dame after losing. I thought that was fine. I mean, that was a really competitive game. Clemson didn't have Trevor Lawrence. I didn't have any issues with any of the rankings. I think, you know, from a Florida standpoint, like you said, everything's in front of the Gators. They just got to continue to go out there and win games. And uh, I think, you know, obviously the focus is improvement. And whether or not we see a whole lot of that, we'll see. But, you know, a lot to look forward I there. think
2: six, too, I think is another spot to where, sure, you're getting the, you know, the, the, uh, the nod of being a top six team. But I think a lot of times you're not really paying a ton of attention to there. So I think that's a good spot where Florida wants to be in the sense that they need to continue to focus on what's ahead of them. You don't want to get too caught up in things. You just want to continue to win games and continue to do what you have to do because that's the only way that Florida is going to punch their ticket at this point.
1: Yeah. I view number six. It it kind of feels like that's where Florida is right now. You know, like when Dan Mullen took over, he inherited a four win team and obviously they quickly reestablished the bar, you know, kind of the floor for where the Florida program would be winning 10 games in that first year, nine in the regular season. To me, that was, that was kind of indicative of, okay, we've raised the bar now. Right. And ever since then, I mean, I guess it's only been two and a half years total, but it feels like they've very gradually taken the next step, right? Like last year, they went from 10 wins to 11 wins. They they looked very competent in the New Year's Six Bowl, all that kind of thing. You know, It just kind of was that slight next step. And we went into 2020 knowing, okay, the next step is beat Georgia, right? Let's get past that Georgia hump, win the SEC East. That was the gradual step. They've taken it. Now it feels like sitting at number six, the question for Florida is, can they surprise you? Can they take that next step and make it more of a leap? And I think right now that's the position Florida's in. You know, I, I think the, the angst about some of the defense is, you know, fans want that leap now. You know, they, they don't want to take a gradual step where, okay, you know, we went from 10 wins to 11 wins. Now we went from 11 wins to be in the SEC East and having a shot at the SEC championship game. Fans want to win, man. They want to beat Alabama. They want to get into the playoff. And, and really that's when things start to get fun is when you're in that hunt. And it feels like right now, Florida's just kind of in this waiting mode, right? Like they're waiting to see, if Florida can get over the hump, if they can improve enough in these next three games to really pose a threat to Alabama, because we've seen Florida get to the SEC championship game before and never really have a chance. I mean, I think 2015 and 2016 kind of have it set up to where I don't know if Florida has like an inferiority complex. I don't think that at all. I think the, you know, the expectations are to go in there and compete, but I think there's a slight hesitation from fans in, in, we're going to waste this offense on a questionable defense. You know, we're going to show up in Alabama, in Atlanta against Alabama and not really give ourselves a punching chance because of the defense. But Dan Mullen has a way of surprising you, man. Like I I didn't see him winning 10 games in his first year. I didn't really see them. I'll be honest with you going into the year. I didn't really see them winning the sec East. I just thought Georgia with what they had in the trenches, you know, obviously we didn't know about the quarterback problems that they were going to have, but I thought they were going to test Florida in ways that Florida was weak. And I didn't think it was a good matchup. Well, guess what? Florida came out there and they they showed up and they took care of business. Now, again, like you said, the next three weeks, and they get it together enough to where you go in there and you feel like you should win in, a, in Atlanta?
2: You know, that's a good spot to be in. You know, it makes Florida fun again, Florida fans. And I understand when you have such a good offense that they have, you know, you, you want to ride that Heisman Trophy quarterback, you know, guy who's getting linked in there is the number one guy in the clubhouse right now, Kyle Trask. This is the type of year where you really want to ride that momentum. You want to ride that offense. And, you know, I can understand, you know, you're at a point now where, i mean is he gonna you know at this point it looks like he's gone he's accepted his invitation to the senior bowl you don't want to have you want to have that kind of firepower and i always think back to uh it was tebow's last year where florida had all you know this hype going into the season you play a bowl game against cincinnati like yeah i mean i think florida fans want to see them punch that ticket and use that high-powered offense they had and make it, some noise in that top four I don't think they, they want to see a you know a whatever bowl against a, you know it could be another cincinnati you know it could be another one of those kind disappointing. of
1: things i mean sure it's, it's I mean, that's just, that's the way it is right now. I mean, that's, that's what expectations are. When you raise the bar, the expectations keep growing and the standard raises. And I, there's no question that Dan Mullen has raised the standards. Now can they live up to the expectations? I think that's going to be the fun part to see play out down the stretch, you know. I, again, I don't think we're going to learn a whole lot over the next three weeks. I really just don't. I don't see a team that can really test Florida in ways that it's going, you know, that fans are going to come out of a Saturday afternoon or a Saturday evening saying, yes, we're there. Like, we're ready to beat Alabama. You know, even if they trounce, these next three teams, I just don't, you're still going to have that question mark. And the, the good part for Florida, is, as long as they take care of business, they get the chance to go out there and make a statement and answer that question mark. So it's going to be a lot of fun, but uh, Blake, unless you got anything else, man, let's go ahead and wrap it up.
2: You know, I think the only thing that we didn't mention on this podcast, we mentioned James Houston expected back this week. Kyle Pitts back this week, extra there you fl- go. playmaker for Florida's offense. Guy that, uh, you know, they haven't quite missed, just considering that Keon Zipper had that big game in, in Arkansas and then Kamori Gamble had that big game in in, uh, in Vanderbilt. I think it's it's worth noting that Florida's uh, tight end room. I think they're surprising me. You know, outside of Kyle Pitts, I really didn't have them as uh, – you know, maybe a big strength of the team. You know, I, I don't know if it's just the fact that Kyle Pitts has just been that dominant. And we haven't seen those other guys, but man, they've been impressive. I think it's, it's worth noting that those guys have been impressive these last two weeks with a guy that a big guy like Kyle Pitts out.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because it was funny in the preseason. You know, we all kind of expected Keon Zipper to really emerge as kind of that next star guy. Right. And Florida's coaches were pretty vocal in the preseason that, you know, they knew they had Kyle Pitts, but they, they needed to develop more depth that the younger guys weren't coming along quite as quickly as they had hoped. It's funny now, you know, Camorra Gamble's been just as impressive as Keon Zipper. And I think when you look at what that duo has done behind Kyle Pitts, it, yeah, they're not Kyle Pitts. And maybe one of the reasons that they didn't look as good in fall camp and the coaches were like, ah, they're a little behind, is because they're being compared to the best tight end in college football. But the development that they've had, I'm glad you mentioned it. You know, I talked about it on the site this week. Tim Brewster's just done a hell of a job with the tight end room. Florida's really developed. And, you know, we, we talk a lot about what this staff does and, you know, is this coach getting enough done? Is that coach getting enough done? Just the sheer level of development that has occurred under Dan Mullen's assistant coaches, you know, talk about the running backs. They don't miss assignments in the blocking schemes. They, They all can do everything. They all have a great, great jump cut. They can catch the ball out of the backfield. Similarly with the tight ends, man, those guys are contributing in every facet of the game. They're unselfish, you know, against Arkansas, Keon Zipper has two touchdowns. Kamori Gamble doesn't have a catch. And yet he's in there blocking his tail off in the run game, really making a big difference. You know, fast forward a week to Vanderbilt, all of a sudden gambles the one that has the two touchdown catches, and guess who's out there in front of him on number two? You know, it's Keon Zipper paving the way with a, a terrific block in the open field. I think that says a lot about who Florida is as a team, you know, that Dan Mullen has sold them on this team concept. And, you know, you may not get as many touches as if you go somewhere else where you'd be more featured in the offense, but it speaks to, you know, that standard that they're building, that it, it's really about the team. And if you buy into the team, you're going to get yours, and you'll have a chance to eventually go compete for championships. So well Uh, you're definitely leaving
2: people running through a wall someone's about to like punch their turkey now you're getting them all fired up like that
1: (laughs) how are you are you doing a turkey this year
2: yeah i am actually we're gonna do a turkey we're gonna do a fried one Uh, my wife's doing another one we have two turkeys this year so we're rocking the the deuce deuce turkey we have one in the oven one in the fryer and then there's just gonna be so much food I'm, i'm probably gonna like have to be rolled to the car
1: nice man i'll have to check on you friday to make sure we're good for for the game
2: yeah, you have know, to I'm planning like on a smoking grill. one.
1: I've, I've, got a, I've got a new grill, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm a little nervous about it, but uh, no, it's good. Just YouTube good, it,
2: man. man. Just YouTube it. That's what I do. If you don't know yep. how to do it, just YouTube will tell you how to no, do it. No, I
1: saw, I saw someone posted a what looked like a terrific recipe on Swamp 24-7 on the message board. I, I'm like, legitimately might try that one because uh, I definitely want to do a Cajun-injected turkey and, you know, it sounded like. He had a pretty good recipe for something. Or similar. you can be
2: like me. I just DM Shannon Snell. Uh, he's pretty much like the barbecue <laughs> nice. connoisseur. So that's, that's usually, that's my, uh, whenever my parents are like, oh, what's recipe? Oh, I got a guy. Let me ask him. I'm like, I'm not mentioning who it is, nothing. I'm like, that's oh, awesome. don't worry. You know, I, I'll show you guys how to cook it. Yeah, like, I came hey, up with this dry rub me. on my own. What do I do? Help me.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. All right, guys. Well, we hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving. We'll be back on the other side of the, the Thanksgiving holiday. We hope you guys all enjoy it with you and yours, your family. I uh, hope everybody can stay safe. If you're traveling, you know, just do what you got to do. And uh, we'll be back on, I guess, Monday with a breakdown of the Kentucky game. One other quick thing. I do think, Blake, uh, catch me if I'm wrong here, but leave we're going to have some pretty significant Black Friday, Cyber Monday sales on VIP subscriptions to Swamp 24-7. So be sure to check the site if you guys are interested in that, if you've been waiting to kind of jump in. You know, we've got a lot of stuff coming up, the early signing period, obviously breaking down Florida's playoff run. We'll have a lot of good stuff. You know, I, I do a VIP breakdown of, of every play from the game each week. A lot of people really find that pretty useful. But that'll do it. Seventy five percent off. Seventy five percent off. That's
2: the deal right now. I just checked. Double double check. Right now, it should be good for a couple of days. So seventy five percent off. That's the Black Friday special.
1: Sweet. Can't beat that. All right, guys. We'll be back on Monday. Thanks for tuning in.